Hello again, everybody. It is time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 122. I'm Michael Citro. I'm the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, and joining me to discuss win number four in a row for Orlando City and win number one of the season for the Orlando Pride from Tallahassee, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, David Rowe. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Happy to be here. Happy to be here. <laughs> uh, Dave, um... Winning never gets old, I can tell you that. No, I, we should keep doing this. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, this this is a good thing, and it should always be done. Yes. Uh, Orlando City, of course, fourth straight victory. The San Jose Earthquakes come in to Orlando City Stadium, and they leave with a 3-2 loss hanging around their necks. It was the first decision in the series after four tries. Um, we had three draws in the first three meetings and this one finally a winner between the two sides and, um, the fourth different stadium that these two teams have competed against each other in, uh, after going to Levi's stadium, the citrus bowl slash camping world stadium and Avaya stadium. They have now played in Orlando city stadium. So, uh, I, as I told, uh, the communications, uh, team for Orlando city, you're going to have to find a venue for next year. Uh, for this uh, road show where uh, they, they never seem to want to play in the same place twice. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, and since it's going to be on the road, I'm good with that. Let's let's keep that little streak going. But next uh, season, uh, play uh, or the next time we play them at home, let's do it in Orlando City Stadium again because it worked out well this time. Sure. It absolutely did. And in fact, you know, it was 3-2, but it wasn't a close game. I mean, San Jose got a couple late set-piece goals to make the score cosmetically more... Um, flattering for the visitors, but honestly, Orlando City could have scored six or seven goals in this game, Dave. It was, um, there was a missed penalty. There were several other opportunities to score where, uh, you know, sort of a, an odd man rush kind of went awry somehow. Um, in a couple of those situations, I'm still not even sure what happened. I just was yeah. waiting for the ball to go in the net, and suddenly it was a goal kick or something. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> what? How did they not score there? So, um, but again, uh, Orlando City come out of the gate uh, in pretty good shape. They uh, they um, they get a goal uh, from, of course, Chris Mueller just two minutes of into course. the game. Uh, in fact, just 63 seconds into the game. Chris Mueller with the fastest goal for Orlando City since the club uh, joined Major League Soccer. It's just 63 seconds to get on the scoreboard uh, for the rookie. His third game in three games, uh, third goal in three games, I should say, if I could actually speak like a person. And uh, Cash Mueller living up to his nickname, Dave. You know, um, I, I remember, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or an article that I wrote. I said... Once this kid scores, the floodgates are going to open, and I think he's going to get a lot more. And look where we are. Three goals, three games. He is absolutely feeling it right now. And he could have had a brace, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But, um, yeah, 63 seconds in, and he just – you can – he does a excellent job of keeping his head up and looking to – Make the best move. I mean, ex- especially given that he's a rookie, um, and that that was not an easy angle that he hit that goal on either. No, it wasn't. Uh, just a phenomenal uh, cross pitch long ball from Yoshimaru Yotun to find um, Chris Mueller in stride on the right flank, and he 
he had to muscle his way past Shea Salinas playing left fullback for San Jose, and he did that, and Salinas went to the ground, and, and Mueller turned the corner, went into the box. He had some, some players running in there, and that kind of kept any other defenders from being able to collapse on him. And since nobody did, he just put it in the upper uh, left corner of the net from, like you said, a pretty pretty severe angle, but uh, uh, just an amazing shot and uh, the kind of thing you'd like to see from a goal scorer. Yeah, he's been exactly what I hoped he would be, and I'm, I, I'm incredibly happy for him. Uh, he, he didn't even do anything that magical as a celebration on that that goal either. I mean, he did the little cash thing, but uh, uh, actually I think some of the other guys came up behind him and they were doing the cash symbol. Uh, <laughs> you, you can see, you can see how much his teammates are appreciating what this kid is doing. And it's, um, it, it couldn't get off to a better start than that. Uh, you know, you're, you you've barely sat down at the stadium or on your couch at home. Uh, you know, you're, haven't even had your first little bit of snack or your first, you know, drink of beer, and all of a sudden we're up one nil. It was pretty amazing. I mean, it was a great start, a dream start, as they usually say. And the the ball from Yotun cannot be underestimated in any way, shape, or form. Just a tremendous, tremendous long ball that you couldn't have dropped it on his foot uh, any better than that. It was just amazing uh, from Yoshi, and um, it really did set the tone early. Uh, Orlando City was able to double the lead through Sasha Kleshin. And, and again, another similar play, this time a little bit closer in, but uh, it started with Dwyer with some good hold-up play. He dropped off to Yotun. Yotun again goes across the field to uh, Mueller. Mueller breaks in, uh, basically has one defender to beat, beats him. Keeper comes out. Uh, he can shoot it, but he doesn't. He just slides it toward the net, and uh, and he lets Sasha Kleshin run onto it, or slide onto it, as the case was, and um, <laughs> tap it in to make it 2-0. And that was a very unselfish uh, move by Mueller. In fact, his first MLS assist, first goal in the run of play for Kleshin as a, an Orlando City player. And as Kleshin said uh, after the game, if he would have shot and missed, I would probably would have killed him. but he you know everybody that has seen Mueller play this year knows that he is um, he's got a maturity level about him and a a soccer IQ about him that really um, is is, uh, something more than what you typically see out of a rookie number one and number two he's got an energy level that he brings to the game that you also don't see out of rookies very often just really Watching him play makes everybody else play harder. And watching him and Dom Dwyer both play has got to fire everyone on the field up. He is incredibly energizing. He's energizing to me as a fan. I love watching this kid. Um, That pass play so that Kluschen could, like you said, slide that, that ball into the goal was the right decision. It was a mature decision. And I don't think we should actually be surprised about this. He was a, you know, assist leader in college. Mm-hmm. This is nothing new to him. He, in college, that's what he did. I mean, he scored goals, but he, like I said, he always has his head up looking around. Like you said, his soccer IQ is very high for uh, a rookie. And, you know, some people were, oh, wow, that was a really mature decision. Well, yeah, I think that that's what he does. I think 
I actually think he would have probably done that more if Dom Dwyer hadn't told him, hey, when you get in the box, shoot. <laughs> so I think he's maybe taken some, you know, I think, you know, Dom's having a good influence on him in that respect, but he still has that that natural ability to, you know, look for the better uh, the better option and make that better pass. So mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me at all that, that he he did that. And fortunately, Sasha didn't have to kill him. Yeah, so uh, somebody asked Sasha after the game in the scrum, you know, uh, as the assist leader, is that something that you've you've kind of taken him under your wing and taught him? And, and Kleshen was quick to point out, look, this kid led the NCAA in assists last year. I don't have to teach him to pass the ball. He knows how to do <laughs> <Right>. it. So <laughs> um, he was quick to, to defend, um, you know, Mueller as, as being the, a smart player that he didn't have to babysit or, or take under his wing or any of that kind of stuff. He, he, he said, you know, nine, you know, most young kids would have just taken the shot, but uh, you know, he's, he's, he's beyond most kids that age. He's, he's really uh, a smart player. He understands the game. He understands how, um, the, you know, the best percentage play to make in any given situation. And, you know, sure, he's not going to be perfect. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to miss uh, a read or maybe not see somebody out there. But, um, you know, he he definitely uh, is aware of what's going on. Somebody, you know, when we asked Chris, uh, you know, if he – if he knew Sasha was coming, he goes, oh, yeah, I heard him. <laughs> so <laughs> it was clear that uh, his teammates were out there talking to him, and he was aware he didn't get that tunnel vision in the big eyes when he saw the sight of goal. He he still understood what was going on around him. It's good to see, and I'm, I'm, I'm really anxious to see how long he can keep this going and if he can avoid hitting that proverbial rookie wall that uh, a lot of rookies hit after, you know, 15 games or so. Uh, with the uh, the more grueling um, schedule of uh, of Major League Soccer, but two uh, nil after the question goal, and uh, again another beautiful pass from uh, from Yotun, and uh, and then uh, you know toward the end of the half is when you started to see some of those chances to put the game to really put the game away uh, go. Uh, go wanting and and in fact it made for some nervy moments late but uh, uh, there were some other opportunities with odd man rushes that didn't quite uh, work out there was a a Yotun one-on-one with the defender and all he had to do was uh, try to get something on net and he tried to make one extra move behind the defender and lost the ball Uh, so there were a couple opportunities but it was 2-0 at the half and it really didn't feel like a close game. It really felt like it always felt like Orlando City was going to go on and score three, four, five goals and and really um, dominate the game. Uh, but after the half, uh, they came out again, and uh, it was uh, it was uh, Justin Merrim eventually coming on and and <laughs> putting a through ball uh, through ball through uh, the two defenders in, in a hole that, quite honestly, yes, it was a great pass. It was a good read. It was perfectly weighted. But, I mean, you and I could have gotten our vehicles and side-by-side drove (laughs) through those two center backs and not even worried them at all. I mean, it was a huge gaping hole. As much as I want to give Orlando City credit for this win, I I have to say that San Jose did not play a very good game defensively at all. Um, They were pretty... Pretty much what we expected in terms of pressing high and trying to win the mm-hmm. ball, and 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 their attackers are very dangerous players. But you know, you didn't really get a sense of that. You just got a sense of eventually Orlando City is going to win the ball, turn it around quickly, and they're going to be in a lot of trouble because that's what kind of happened all night. Anyway, Dom Dwyer decided that's when he wanted to score because he did, and uh, he made it three nil, and uh, he made it five goals, Dave, in four games since coming back from injury. 
Dwyer, we talk about Mueller and, and how awesome he's been, at, you know, with three goals in three games. But then, like you said, five and four for Dom. He's, I, you know, maybe Mueller being out there is helping you know, get guys off the ball for Dom. Maybe it's just that he's feeling it. I don't know. I don't care. As long as these guys keep scoring goals and we know Dom scores when he wants. Uh, so that one... It was it was utterly fantastic. And and the key, I think, and we've mentioned it a couple times without mentioning it, is the they're getting service in from the midfield. You know, Yotun is getting balls in. Uh, Merrim's getting balls in. So the, these guys who are scoring these goals, they're they're getting the opportunities because of that that engine coming, you know, feeding that ball into them mm-hmm. uh, and giving them those opportunities. Uh, that's incredibly important. I also think that you're right. There was at no point, you know, did you were even worried about whether Orlando would get the ball and have an opportunity to score. There was so many opportunities. It really should have been way, way more goals than what we ended up with. Yeah, once it got to two, I really wasn't concerned. I just it just never seemed like San Jose got a toehold in the in the game at all. Uh, they eventually did make it three to one on a set piece. A corner kick uh, was um, a pretty much a free header for Wondolowski, who hit the right post. Well, actually, it was pushed onto the right post uh, or left post if you're Joe Bendick uh, by Bendick. Uh, he he made a nice save to to get a hand on it, push it off the post. Unfortunately, it deflected right out in the middle in front of the goal to uh, Florian Jungwirth, uh, who. Uh, just kicked it in the net. I mean, basically bundled it in and made it 3-1. Um, but again, it, it just felt like it was so much against the run of play. Um, and it wasn't uh, wasn't too worrying. And especially wasn't worrying when Dom uh, drew a penalty a few minutes later. And uh, Justin Merrim lined up to score his first goal as a lion and then did not. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, you feel... You feel so bad for the man. You really do. I mean, he is a guy who, I mean, he's he's played well in some respects. I mean, he's second on the club in assists with three. Um, and considering the, the number of minutes he's played um, the last few games, that's that's pretty good. Um, yep. But uh, he's he's really pressing to get that goal. Uh, it took a really weird short run up, which I'd never like for penalties. Um, I just always feel like if you uh, if you take that longer run up, you sort of give the keeper more time to second guess himself, I guess, you know, maybe or, his, t- or tip his hand and, yeah, you know, get, yeah, yeah. Or, or get in his own head, whatever. And, you know, so he, he makes uh, the quick step kick and, you know, I, I feel like you don't get as much power on it that way either. And he he left it too close and, and kind of up at a good height for uh, for the save. And uh, it was not good for. Um, Orlando City, because uh, then they they made it uh, 3-2 in stoppage time on another Youngberth uh, uh, corner kick goal um, mm-hmm. from Erickson's delivery. It was directly on a Youngberth's head, and he headed it in a free header. So 3-2 the final. It, it really shouldn't have been that close. It really kind of was shaping up to be one of those games that where really Orlando City could have uh, really Five built, built a little bit of goal differential. Um, yeah which would have been nice. But, uh, you know, with the way all the other results were at the end of the game, 
Orlando City was actually tied for second in the Eastern Conference for a little bit uh, until uh, Atlanta and L.A. Galaxy played, uh, and, and L.A. didn't decide to show up for that game. Uh, but uh, it was nice. It was uh, you know, a comfortable win. Uh, like I said, uh, maybe a little bit of nervy at the at very end uh, when it was like, oh, crap, now it's 3-2 and anything can happen. <laughs> uh, and, you, it, and for me, that's what I kind of had in the back of my mind is like this team – has come back three times to draw Orlando City in the last three years. Right. It, they, they can't do it again, can they? Not from three down. And uh, thankfully, the whistle blew, and Orlando City got the victory. And uh, in the end of the day, O'Toon with a couple of assists, and he's got four, Dave, in, uh, yep. in, in on the season in, in just seven games, and he had four last year. Uh, so eight already. He's already more than a third of the way to... Um, the 22 that Kaká had in three years. Uh, not surprising. He's. You don't always see if you're not if you're not paying attention. You don't always see what he's doing, and it's like I mentioned earlier. He's one of those. He's one of those engines in the midfield that's just that's feeding feeding the balls in and and from distance on a lot of them, uh, which is in his. His service from distance is impressive, but it always has been. That's one of those things that we noticed last season. Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't truly be surprising. Um, I think it's that now there are some outlets up top that are taking advantage of his accuracy on those long balls. And that's, you know, of course, that's going to help his stats. Uh, I fully expect this to continue. Yeah, he had another one to Mueller again that was a, almost a carbon copy of the first goal uh, where Mueller took it into the box. And this time he passed and it got cut out. But, uh, um, you know, that could, again, been a eventual assist. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he really was amazing and uh, really didn't see too many poor performances. Again, Aguita was good in that defensive mid role. I thought, well, Johnson... Uh, played really well at right back uh, for, um, you know, Sutter and Allen. Allen was in the 18, but they, they didn't need to use him, so he got a little bit extra rest. Mm -hmm. um, it was, uh, you know, he got beat for pace by Shea Salinas a few times, but everybody, every fullback in the league gets beat at some point for pace because wingers, tend, wingers right. tend to be speedy. You know, it's like, right. <laughs> it's just like, you know, wide receivers tend to eventually beat defensive backs at some point because they're fast guys. Um so uh, Will is not uh, the paciest guy, but I think positionally he was fine. He did get beat for pace a couple of times, but really a hardworking 90 minutes from him. Lamine Sané was amazing uh, at center back. I thought that uh, Amro Tarek had a good game. Uh, El Munir had a good game. Uh, it's really hard to pinpoint anybody that didn't play particularly well. I, I thought maybe, um, you know, we were seeing some growing pains from Stefano Pino maybe. But other than that, I, I didn't really see too much wrong with the uh, the 11 on the field at any given time. No, and like you said, with um, no true chances uh, for them in the run of play, it's uh, obviously the defense was doing their job. We want them to do better on set pieces going forward, uh, which I'm sure Coach Jason Kreis has got them working on this week. But still, as you said, there that was a good team effort. You can see that these guys enjoy playing with each other and playing for each other. It is, especially since Dom's gotten back, it is very fun mm -hmm. 
to watch this team come together. And I'm, I'm excited going for it because we still don't have everybody. Yeah, well, are you tempering your uh, expectations a little bit just right now because of the fact that none of the teams Orlando has beaten in this streak have been like top tier teams? They've all been, you know, like uh, amongst the below the line teams. Uh, maybe a little bit, but I, I think that these guys have a confidence and a belief in themselves. And if they are supposed, if these teams are the ones that they're supposed to beat, well, they're beating them, you know, after, after we got Don back, obviously, I mean, we're, we're talking about a tale of two teams at this point, um, you know, from the start to the last uh, four, but they, if they are supposed to beat the teams and they are scoring goals, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Will we see something different? Uh, will it be harder when we get to some of the, you know, the Torontos and the Atlantas? Sure. Absolutely. Those are excellent teams, but by the same, same factor, they're now having that time to play together, to learn each other, to get those passes, to learn tendencies Mm -hmm. and that, and they're doing it while winning, which then also gives them confidence and, um, you know, the thought that there's no reason why we can't do this uh, against another team until proven wrong. So, and even then, I don't think this is the type of team, given how they started, they never stopped believing in themselves. The results just weren't coming. And now they are. So I don't think it's going to be a, oh, we lost that and they're going to revert. I think it's going to be a, oh, we lost that. What can we do to get better? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, of course, you have to play the the, the, the schedule you're given. And it is a good thing that maybe uh, in the first part of the season when things were not going well from a health perspective and the attack that, you know, they weren't playing the, the better teams and, and They've had an opportunity to now start to grow a little bit uh, with some of the guys like getting getting healthy and getting on the field. Uh, we finally saw Uri Rossell make the uh, make his debut. He got a few minutes at the end of the game, so that was nice. Um, but you know, I, I think this team. We talked about it earlier. I, I thought they outplayed Minnesota. I thought they outplayed uh, Washington uh, D.C. United, and and I thought that they just didn't get results in those games. I thought they played a a good road game against a very good New York city FC team and, and held their own and just handed them two goals. Um, so I think that there's definitely something here that can be built upon and will be fun to watch uh, as the season goes on to see where it all ends up and, and how it comes together and how they handle adversity when it hits, uh, you know, in the dog days of summer. But Dave, let me ask you this. Who was your man of the match? Uh, this one, despite everybody having a good match, this one was easy for me. It's been a week of Mueller at the mainland, and I'm going to have to continue it with a goal uh, that quick and then making the smart decision to uh, pass to Sasha for the and get that assist and then just still working hard the entire time. Uh, there were plenty of guys who might have been worthy of it. Yotun had uh, an excellent game, but uh, I've got to give it to the youngster. Um, he 
he had a goal and an assist and he did everything he did everything right so for me it's 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 got to be cash yep influential in the game for sure uh we did have a hashtag mueller monday uh, at the mainland (laughs) uh, with everybody deciding to write about him uh after the game and uh yeah chris mueller is also my man of the match mueller mueller (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah he we got to get one of those we got to get yes. a shirt, shirt made up for that uh, but yeah chris Mueller's my man of the match for sure he made the mls team of the week for the first time in his young career and yoshimaru Otun made the bench uh, of the mls team of the week so congrats to those guys they weren't the only ones to win though over the weekend the orlando pride is off the schneid i'm i'm rhyming it <laughs> and uh not intentionally but you know uh yeah first uh, victory for the pride this season a one nil win with a headed goal from chioma obogagu off of a set piece from christine nairn perfect delivery uh just needed a touch it got a touch it went in the net it was one nil but Honestly, Dave, I thought the Pride played a very poor game against a bad Houston Dash team. I, I don't think that they should have struggled against them. Um, Sidney LaRue hit the post. Alex Morgan got two decent looks at goal, put one over the net just to, by a little bit, and then on the other one she slipped, it looked like, and and, and skied her shot when she, uh, she lost her footing. Um, but other than that, uh, not a lot of danger. I think we're, we're continuing to see the absence of all the midfielders be a problem uh, as the, the back line is not able to connect well with the attacking line. And I honestly didn't think that that 3-4-3 three, three, uh, formation that, that Tom's used the last two games, I didn't think it worked very well against Houston in some respects. But the bottom line is it's a victory. They kept a clean sheet. Um you know, despite the return of Kalia Ojai and, um, you know, the Dash do have a, a few uh, pretty dangerous, uh, you know, potential goal scorers. Uh, so you don't allow a goal. You're putting yourself in a good position. And, of course, uh, the Pride able to hold on and get the win. And now uh, they will get back the, all those midfielders that have been mm-hmm. missing, uh, you know, the the Brazilians come back after winning the Copa America Feminina. They have qualified not only for next year's World Cup, uh, but also the 2020 Olympics. So yep. congratulations to Marta and Poliana and uh, Monica, who had a huge game in the final uh, final yeah. round. Uh, she scored two of their three goals uh, to beat Colombia. So uh, congrats to all of them. Hopefully they'll bring that form back to Orlando. Um, and, uh, also, you know, congrats to Camilla cause she didn't get to play, but she gets to qualify as well since, uh, she's, uh, she's out with that injury, but she'll be, she'll be back and, uh, healthy and able to play in the world cup and, uh, you know, the, the Olympics the year after. So congrats to all of them. That's all. I mean, right there, you, you're talking about, um, that's a lot of quality that, we're, that has not been <laughs> yeah. on the field. I mean, just getting Marta back is huge, but Poliana, yeah. Uh, you know, right back has been an issue. That's why I think Tom went to three at the back. And instead of instead of playing Allie on the right side in a, in a flat four four player back line, he sort of did a, a three person back line and had Kristen Edmonds out there sort of playing wing back and just didn't seem to get a lot from that. I don't think. And, and I don't think it really helped Carson Pickett on the left side as well. I, I don't think that no. that it worked very well at all for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they didn't uh, play it enough in the preseason. Uh, of course they don't have much of a preseason, but um, just 
just something just isn't clicking right for the pride right now. And of course, uh, the Australians that were missing are both midfielders, yep. uh, at least the way that they're deployed here. Alana Kennedy has been a midfielder for Orlando and uh, Emily Van Eggman is one of the better attacking midfielders in women's soccer. So um, those two Australian internationals were away at the Women's Asian Cup where they lost a heartbreaker in the final to Japan 1-0 on a very late goal. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it was a struggle for Australia in that tournament overall. They were um, very good defensively, but they had trouble breaking teams down or, or at least finishing when they did break them down. And you don't normally say that about a team like Australia that's got Sam Kerr. Yeah. But they didn't score a lot of goals. They didn't score any in the... Um, in the tournament opener against Korea Republic, they almost got knocked out of the, uh, the you know, they, they almost got knocked to third and had to use, use a play in game mm-hmm. uh, for the world cup. But they, uh, they eventually did uh, get a, a, a goal and, and, and played uh, very well at the end against Japan. They, they almost got beat out by the, uh, I think it was the Philippines that almost beat them. And uh, it was Alana Kennedy's header that sent that to, to extra time and then they won it in the sh- pl- uh, penalty shootout to get to the final so there, there were a lot of scares for um australia in that tournament and uh, they were able to to sort of navigate their way through almost all of it but couldn't quite uh, didn't quite have enough to uh, beat japan for the uh, tournament championship but they did qualify for the world cup so they are in so congrats to Alana and to Emily. And uh, it will be nice to see both of them in uh, Pride Purple. Yeah, it'll be great to have them back, the Brazilians back. I think this game was – every year there are those ugly games that if you can figure out a way to get the win, it's it's one of those things over the course of the season that you, you have to do occasionally. This was that match for Orlando. Mm-hmm. They had to make it through one last week without getting everybody back. I think, you know, now that they are, then it's going to, things will start coming together again. Like we said, we're going to connect the back line to the attack. It will, a lot of things are going to get better. But at the end of the day, if you can get through and get that win, even when you play ugly, that's incredibly important. It is, and a big congrats to Chi for getting the goal because, honestly, she, I thought she had a terrible game overall. Um, but, you know, nobody will remember that because she scored the game-winning goal. You score, um, that's what they remember. But I, I think it's been an ongoing issue for her the last few games, uh, dribbling into blind alleys, trying to pass the ball forward to Morgan or, or LaRue, and, and just putting the ball into the feet of the defender directly in front of her. Um you know, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's rust. I don't know if it's just not making that extra effort to to free yourself for to make the to make the pass to get the angle for the pass or what it is. But she's just seemed a little bit off, and she's really the only thing that's been connecting, uh, you know, the middle of the field to to the attackers, and she's supposed to be one of those attackers. So it kind of throws the whole um, attack off a little bit when she has to drop it, you know, deeper to get the ball, and then. You know, like, as I said, she's she's been uh, dribbling into trouble or passing poorly and it's, um, you know, and making poor decisions in some of those situations where she tries to to do a little t- too much to get a, a shot off for herself rather than to set somebody up. But, of course, you know, 
how many passes do you have to have knocked away before you just decide, well, maybe it's just easier if I do it myself. So I um, think, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think it's, I think she's trying to do too much with, with everybody that's not there. I think she's trying to maybe take on too much herself and hopefully once they're back, then that'll ease a bit of burden. She'll be able to relax a little more and hopefully correct those things that, that you were mentioning. And uh, we've come to find out that Sydney LaRue is the Justin Merrim of the Pride. Uh, she, yeah. <laughs> she had, she will probably never get a better look at goal uh, than she had on Sunday, and she hit the post uh, when she had a whole lot of net to shoot at. So uh, it, it could have been a more comfortable win for the Pride in the end. But uh, in, in the end, your first three points of the season is usually the hardest one to come by, uh, or the hardest three points to come by. But they're on the board. They've got to win. And it's something they can maybe build on as uh, the Seattle Rain come into town this Saturday night at Orlando City Stadium. Now, 90s night on Sunday did not have a great crowd. I'm hoping that's just because it was a, it was Sunday. It was late. It wasn't a late game, but it was an evening game. Everybody's getting the kids ready for school, or maybe they went to the beach and they're coming back and they're like, oh, I'm just too tired to go to the game. Whatever it is, not a very good crowd. Less than 4,000 in attendance. The lowest crowd for the pride since joining the nwsl so i'm hoping a really good crowd saturday night hopefully everybody uh you know is a little bit energized by the win they're energized by getting the brazilians and the australians back exactly being at, uh, being at full strength and hopefully there'll be a, a nice crowd at the purple palace this weekend it's uh, it's this is a team that deserves uh, nice crowds and even even though it was a poor crowd, it was the third best in the NWSL this <laughs> weekend. Um, and, and like another 100 would have made it number two because they well, would have edged out North Carolina. But uh, still, that's not enough people. Get no. out there and see this team. It's absolutely not enough people. And I think that the fact that it was the third best and we're sitting here bemoaning the fact that there was less than 4,000, I think that speaks to our expectations given the quality of what the pride have done over the last couple seasons and how far they've come. And I think you're right. I think it was just a weird weekend. Maybe people don't like the nineties. I don't know. Either there were some bad things in the nineties. Maybe that held some people out. I think it's probably more that, uh, Marta and, uh, Camilla and some of the others aren't there. And so, you know, people, yeah, I don't know. Whatever the reason you're right. Let's start over. Let's get back up there. Let's get some some more butts in the seats. And uh, with the Brazilians and the Australians back, let's build on the win. Let's get another one this weekend. I like it. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, <laughs> this is this is a good one to go see. You know, uh, we've got some. We're welcoming back some old friends. Uh, Jasmine Spencer, Steph Catley. Uh, with the Seattle Rain, also um, you know Megan Rapino on that team. It's a good team. It's a it's a team that's uh, yeah. star star studded. It's uh, you know should be a good matchup. And it's it'll be fun the, to watch. That's for sure. It's definitely one of the teams Orlando will need to to be competing with to get above the playoff line. So uh, a very important match early in the season and a chance for the Pride to get back to 500 on the season. So go out and see it. Uh, we will, of course, be back next week to break down uh, the pride and the rain, as well as, uh, of course, Orlando City's uh, game, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But before we get to that, we're going to talk to our guest this week. We got another outstanding guest, and we'll uh, get to that interview right after this.
All right, joining us on the Mainland Podcast this week, we are pleased to have with us Orlando City defender Amro Tarek. Uh, Amro, thanks for being with us on the podcast. Yeah, sure. It was a pleasure. So I want to start out by asking you, you know, uh, how um, the season has begun for you. It's been really crazy with all the different center back combinations uh, that, that Orlando City's had. You've played with uh, both Jonathan and uh, and uh, Lamine, and also there's there's been people stepping in for you as well, uh, RJ as well. So uh, it's been a, quite a bit of combinations there. Uh, but you know, you guys haven't allowed um, a goal in the run of play for over 300 minutes. So uh, things seem to be shaping up for you guys. Yes, I mean, uh, I think we since uh, the preseason start, we were working so hard. And uh, I think we also getting better, uh, better and better by time. Uh, the only bad thing is we getting goals uh, from set pieces, but I think it's uh, the whole team is involved in set pieces, not only the defenders. Mm-hmm. So now we are trying to 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 make it better for the whole team. Well, speaking of those set pieces, uh, what in particular are you guys working on to uh, try and, and amend that particular problem? Yeah, I think set pieces is about, you know, commitment and really you want to defend the ball. So I think we have to improve in this point. And we were also speaking about this today in the training. And I think in the next games, we're going to solve this problem. Well, that sounds good. <laughs> we're we're looking forward to that. Um, yes. You know, yes. Amro, the the um, you know, since you've had opportunities to play with both Lamine and, and Jonathan Spector, uh, can you just tell us what it's like to play with the two of them? What you know, what are their what do they do that's that's similar, and and how are they different on the field? As you said, I think it's really great to play next to them. They are both uh, very experienced players and uh, they played also on a very high level in Europe. So for me, it, it feels good, you know. I I feel good with both of them. Uh, they are a little bit similar for me, mm-hmm. uh, the way they play. Uh, so I'm really happy to, to play next to them. Now, uh, you talk about... Uh, you know, them playing in Europe. Obviously, you've played uh, quite a few places yourself. Uh, give us your impressions of um, Orlando, the the supporters, and uh, the atmosphere at Orlando City Stadium. Yeah, I really think that Monsieur here is, is, is really amazing. So I was in Columbus before, and it's really, really a big difference than Columbus. Uh, here the fans are they really love the club and they are all, always behind us uh, so I think it's something very important for the players because sometimes we feel it's it's a commitment to make these people feel happy and to keep supporting us for a reason you know so I think it's very good uh, opportunity for us to have these kind of supporters now, uh, you mentioned playing in Columbus before and that's um, you know, a few years ago, uh, so not a lot of time passed, but some time has passed since you played last in MLS. What is different about Major League Soccer now from the first time you were here? Mm, uh, it's like 
in the past years, not only when I was in Columbus, like people look at the Major League Soccer, it's only, you know, the league for big stars to retire there and to relax, you know, no stress. Mm -hmm. But the league has really changed, like year by year, it becomes very, very strong. And as you see, in each team, you could find like a minimum three, four international players that, that it says that it's a very good league. And I think now, all people all over the world are knowing that the league is very good. Um, having uh, been here in Orlando for a little bit, um, tell me about uh, how you're adjusting, what uh, you're finding to be you know, most interesting, most challenging. Can you repeat the question, please? Yeah, uh, now that you've been in Orlando for a little while, what aspects are you finding either on the field or off to be more challenging or, uh, you know, more fun? Um, you know, how are you finding you know, being in Orlando? Yeah, like uh, in the team, I'm really having fun with my teammates. Like uh, in training, in the games, it's really fun for me. And when I have like day off, we go also outside. I go with Justin, with Muhammad, with Lamine. I'm really having fun here and I'm enjoying my time. Now, one of the things that we don't get a lot of here is we don't get a lot of exposure to, you know, soccer in some parts of the world where you've played. For example, Egypt, we, we don't have any kind of feeling for really the flavor of what that's like. Um, how different is playing in the United States to playing in Egypt? Is it, is it um, is, are the atmospheres completely different? Are they similar? What, what is it like down there? I can tell you it's completely different than Egypt. Like in Egypt, people are crazy about soccer. We call it football there. The mm-hmm. people are really crazy about it, and this is the only only thing that all the Egyptians follow. This is the only thing that all the Egyptians uh, agree about. Like all uh, like uh, soccer. So here it's I know that soccer is not the first sport in America. So the people are not so interested. So like in, in Egypt, if you're a famous soccer player, you just can't walk in the street like normal person, you know. Mm-hmm. But here, it's I think it's, it's a little bit different, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, speaking of famous Egyptian football players, and this is kind of timely, I'm certain that you watched uh, Champions League earlier now. You probably don't know. I happen to be a Liverpool fan. Michael happens to be a Roma fan. Um, but I want to. I want to get your impressions of Mo Salah and the season he's having. Yeah, he's an incredible player. As you see, now he's one of the best players in the world. So not only it's not my opinion. It's his numbers and what he's doing in each game in the Premier League, in Champions League, with the Egyptian national team. Like he leads the national team to join the World Cup after 28 years, so which is something really great, and I think it makes us all the Egyptians proud to have a player like him. Now, He's a great I, person as well. Amro, I wanted to just ask you how you ended up in Orlando. Like, what is the story of of you playing in Egypt? Uh, that's the beginning, and then it ends with you putting on a purple shirt in Orlando. How did that go? How, who reached out to you and expressed interest? Was it was it through your agent? Did, did did somebody come to see you play a scouting for Orlando City? How did that happen? 
Uh, it was uh, after my national team uh, appearance last March, like in the summer, the summer after uh, some Asians contacted me here from America. And they told me if I'm interested to come back to MLS. And, you know, it was always in my mind to come back after I left Columbus mm -hmm. because I really liked the league. So I told them, yes, I would like to come. So we agreed we're going to find something for me in the beginning of the season in America, which means it's in winter in Egypt. Mm -hmm. So they contacted, I, I gave them my Asian contact and they contacted her. And yeah, they told me Orlando, they are interested. They watched some games and they are interested in me. That's the story. Well, we're glad you're here. Um, so obviously, I'm sure that uh, you have the team goal of getting to the playoffs just like everybody else. Um, what I'm curious about is if you have any individual goals for yourself uh, as a player this season. Yes, it's not only my goal to, to make the playoffs. I think with this team, we could win also some trophies. We have a very good team this season. And I was sure about this uh, since the preseason. Uh, in the beginning of the season, we had hard times. But inside of me, I was really sure that we were doing good. And my other goal is to be with my national team in the World Cup. Now... One of the things we've seen, obviously, four wins in a row, which is great. Uh, but there's still room for this team to get better and better. Obviously, we mentioned the set pieces earlier in the in the in the interview here. But also, you know, Justin Merrim's not quite, you know, uh, clicking on all cylinders just yet. Um, you know, Josue Coleman still not quite. Uh, where we expect him to be in a few weeks. Uh, Jonathan's been out with with injuries. How? Like, what percentage do you think this team is right now from from 100% being, you know, as good as it can play? Where do you think this team is right now? As you said, you just mentioned uh, a great players are not uh, are not fit right now or we didn't get to play a lot of uh, minutes. About Justin, I don't agree with you because I see Justin is doing great. Like, he has three assists, he's he really helped the team just about to get his first goal. I, I don't think it's something he should worry about because he's helping the team. Last game, he come in, his first pass is a wonderful through ball to, uh, to Dom Dwyer. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think this is really good that we all as teammates, when Justin has the ball or when Justin is on the pitch, we really trust him and we know that he could do something for us. About what way, I think... He didn't play a single game in the preseason, and this is something very, very difficult for him. So I think step, step by step, he, he would be very important for us. So as you said, uh, there are some players are not really fit now, and we're doing good. So I think when they are back, we'll be much, much stronger. Right. Do you think this team though is like at? Where do you think they are? Do you think you guys are at 50% of your of your you know your total potential? Do you think you're at 70%? Where do you think that you know you guys fall right now? I can't use a percent exactly, but I think it's important for any successful team to have a players who are able to to put the team uh, in, in success, like to win games. Mm -hmm. So we can't uh, affect by two or three players if they are injured or if they are not fit. 
so our team get affected now. If we want to be successful, I think we we should have like uh, all the players in the in the team very strong and can help the team. Okay. Now, um, other than the players, obviously, you know, you're playing for Jason Christ. Uh, tell me about uh, you know your um, impressions of him as a coach. What you've uh, you know noticed since you've been in Orlando, and and um, whether there's there's you know things you like, things you don't like. Um, you know, give us give us your impressions of Jason. You don't mean to tell you things I don't like about my coach? <laughs> <laughs> it's my job to ask these things. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's really, as you can see, he's really a very good coach. And even when we had the bad results, but our statistics were very good. Our style of playing was to, to play football, to start from behind and to control the game. And which I think is something very good for the supporters and for Orlando City fans to see that the team are able to play football, real football. And that's my opinion, you know, uh, about him. And I think this is something good. I enjoy doing this. I enjoy doing this with him, like to, to play a good football. Well, Amro, before we let you go, I want to know when you score your first goal for Orlando City, what can we expect from the celebration? <laughs> what, what are we going to see? It's going to be a surprise. Are <laughs> you going to surprise us? Will it be a surprise to just us, yeah. or will it also be a surprise to you? No, it's going to be a surprise for just you guys. I know I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. We uh, look forward to it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Amro Tarek, uh, defender for Orlando City, Thanks so much for being with us. It's been a great it's been great talking to you. We wish you luck with the rest of the season. All right, take care now. Thank you so much. All right, as we head into stoppage time for episode number one twenty two of the Mainland Podcast, definitely want to thank once again Amro Tarek of Orlando City and uh, one of the newer defenders on the club. He is a He's uh, he's been doing a good job, Dave, and I think that he may have uh, may have misunderstood. I wasn't saying that Justin Merrill's not playing <laughs> well. I'm saying that he's just struggling to break down that that barrier in front of the net and get the get start pouring in those goals like we know he can. Well, you know, when you come to this country and it's not your native tongue, I think he did pretty well. And and as long as he keeps doing what he's doing on the field, who cares if he answers our questions the right way? Well, I mean, he's not a he's he's not completely uh, you know you new to this country by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, no, he but. is uh, in fact um, you know not in addition to having uh, played in Ohio, which you don't get much more um, white bread you know, middle of <laughs> America than Ohio. And I can say that because I'm sure. from Ohio. Because you're from there, that's right. But uh, also, birthplace uh, for Amroteric is Los Angeles, so uh, that's almost like an American city right there. From what I understand, it is. Although <laughs> uh, I haven't been myself, so I can't confirm or deny on a personal level. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, it was great to talk to him, and thanks, uh, big thanks to Rafa Cabrera from the uh, Orlando City Communications staff for shrugging off his dental visit and uh, setting up that interview for us today. Uh, we really appreciate that. 
so uh, good interview. And now we will roll Dave into the Ask the Mainland podcast segment of our show. Uh, that, of course, is where we do our uh, our answering of anything that people want to know. And uh, why don't you tell folks how they can ask us literally anything? So just get on the Twitter machine and at the mainland, you would use the hashtag AskTMLPC. That's AskTMLPC. Mm-hmm. And it will, uh, Michael and I, and we will see it and make a note of it and then answer it once we get on the podcast. You can also email us at the or at space the mainland at gmail.com and we will answer it there as well indeed we will because uh we are not too shy to get on there and just answer anything that people want to know we will we're, doesn't have to be about soccer it could be about anything we're uh we're not you know we're not we're just people that just stay in one lane our whole lives we we have we have a wide uh, array of knowledge that we can uh, call upon we are worldly and uh you know we are worldly gentlemen who uh, I, I give up i tried yeah, you were overselling it anyway i was i was anyhow we do have some folks who have asked us anything and uh, let's uh, get to those we want to talk about uh, frank on twitter frank would like to know is not liking ipas the sign of an unfit mind dave what is your take? I am an IPA aficionado. However, that being said, I can't say that it's a person with an unfit mind because there are plenty of other fine types of brews out there to have. There are – gosh, I, I have a poster that's got them all, and I can't even – we would be here forever if I named them between all the lagers and pilsners and ales and stouts and lambics and everything else. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think that it's necessarily an unfit mind. I might disagree with a person that isn't at least willing to do that. But then again, my dad doesn't like IPAs, so, and I love him. So I, and, <laughs> Well, now it might be debatable if he's in his right mind or not, but that that's – completely separate from whether he likes ipas or not okay so no i I, th- I think you can you can absolutely be okay and not like ipas yeah i think there's just so many kinds of beer there's something for everybody and I, I will never um you know you like what you like basically you can't really you can't really it's not a conscious decision to like or dislike things in terms of taste um you know, that's everybody's just wired differently. That's why some people like Monet's and some people like Picasso's. You know, it's not uh, it's not just some it's just not one size fits all. But some people like I've come, kind of come to the um, the part of my life where I can enjoy really any style of beer. And it all kind of comes down to what mood I'm in more than anything, what I want to drink. It's not it's not very um, true. Like, there was a time in my life I couldn't drink any heavy beers. I couldn't drink stouts. I couldn't drink porters. Didn't like them. Didn't like anything about them. Um, but now those are probably my two favorite styles of beer. Um and, uh, and again, it comes down to what you're in the mood for, what kind of um, – like what's your environment? Is it a hot day? Like if you're, if Right. You're having, I was going to say time of, the, time of the year. You're having a, like a, a lunch outside on a hot day. You probably don't want something heavy. You might want uh, something uh, a little lighter and, um, you know uh, – A nice pilsner. Yeah. So an IPA – 
might not be what you go for there. And, and I, I know a lot of people don't like the bitterness of, uh, of the hops uh, of, of IPAs. But then again, too, the other thing I say is if you say you don't like IPAs, maybe you haven't tried the right IPA. That's a very good point because there are many types. There's West Coast, there's New England style, you've got Double, you've got Imperial. There are so many, and the there's so many different types of hops that they can use between Cascade and Mosaic. There, so you're right. Um, there, if you're not sure, there are plenty of places that you can go try different beers at, get flights, or even just they'll give you the little tasting cups. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I happen to be lucky enough to be in the town that – so every state uh, has a uh, beer bar that won best beer bar for that state. I'm fortunate that I happen to live in Tallahassee where Growler Country that I've been going to for years won best beer bar for the state of Florida. So lucky me. You have World of Beer which I don't have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but I, I guarantee it somewhere in your town, there is craft beer to be had. And whoever is working there is going to be very happy to walk you through the process. And heck, some of the patrons will probably be happy to walk you through the process and, and tell you the things that they like and they don't like mm-hmm. and give descriptions. It's, um, yeah, uh, they shouldn't have asked us this because you and I, we, we could do a whole separate <laughs> podcast about, about beer. Absolutely. But, yeah, my my advice, uh, Frank, is to go try as many different styles and as many different uh, makes as you can, and you'll find something you like. It, it might even be an IPA. So, uh, But, might no, be. there's nothing necessarily wrong with you if that's not your favorite style of beer. So. Uh, I'm glad we could get to the to the bottom of that, and I'm glad we could put your mind at ease. It's not. A... I'm glad. I'm glad that Frank yeah. gave us the opportunity to finally talk about beer. We've been asking people to ask a beer question for months. Now that said, we don't know you, Frank, so we're not saying that you don't have an unfit mind. We're just saying that liking IPAs is not the sign of one. Correct. Like my father, you could be completely un- mentally unfit. We don't know. Yeah. All right. Alex Motes uh, from Twitter has asked us a question. Luckily, we got this because he did not uh, use the correct hashtag. He used AskTML, and it's AskTMLPC. Uh, so that's that's your hashtag. Not, not, but, we're, yeah. but we got we're it forgiving. anyway. Yeah, we got it. He says, uh, he says, Jason Kreitz tweets after every match with the hashtag Trust the Process. What do you think is that process, and does it involve a designated player riding the bench? Dave, you want to take this first? <laughs> sure. Um, I think the process is um, – so I'm going to back up a little bit. Uh, up here in Tallahassee, prior to Jimbo Fisher leaving for Texas A&M, he had the process where it was everything from facilities to uh, how they ate to how they practiced, all of those things. And I am guessing that's exactly what Jason is talking about. Uh, the process is everything from uh, when they go to bed to when they get up to, you know, the, what they're eating to how they travel, all of that. So I think what he's trying to say when he's tweeting that out is it's a long season where we know the things that we have to work on and our end goal is the same that the supporters want. And that's to make the playoffs and ultimately win championships and that he as a coach and they as a coaching staff have a, method to their madness or method to their non-madness and he's hoping that without spelling it out for everybody because if you have to it's going to take up those all those characters in a tweet so instead just 
trust the process. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty common, um, you know, saying from college football coaches and even pro football coaches, trust the process. I know that uh, Nick Saban has used it, Bill, Bill Belichick, a lot of people have used it. Um, I think he just means that the process is, you know, they're building something, they're putting it in a piece at a time, they're getting everybody healthy, and it's going to come together at some point the way they would like it to. And it's not done that yet, but it's on the way to doing that. So he's saying, you know, just kind of chill and, and let this thing kind of play its way out and everybody be happy at the end of the day. I think that's what he means. Uh, the the reference to leaving a DP on the bench, I think that Jason Christ is like any other coach. He wants to put the 11 on the field that gives him the best opportunity to win. And so if that means Cole Mann has to ride the bench and come off the bench and be useful in other ways, uh, you know, then that's the way it's going to be. Um, the, the great thing about young DPs is it's not as big a cap hit as the regular DP. And it's also you know, what you would use to tag a player that, you know, you have a long range goal to develop that mm-hmm. player. You know, that's what, that's what it's for. So, you know, I, I think Coleman will get there. I don't think he's there yet. I don't think there's any, I think in some ways he's playing too fast and too impatiently and mm-hmm. he's not quite on the same page as everybody else yet. So I don't think there's any shame that he's on the bench. He's still getting minutes. And, uh, you know, at some point he, I mean, it's a long season. He's going to be needed at, at times. He's his, his contributions will become vital and uh, he'll have to step up and play. And hopefully by that point uh, he'll be ready to do just that. So um, additionally, uh, we talked about Mueller and, you know, there's a, there's a well-known saying in sports of ride the hot hand or hot foot on this uh in, in this game and you know the kids scoring so guess what you're going to put them out there and if that means that Coleman's on the on the bench to start well then that's that's what that means uh, you know when we get different guys back and and or you know maybe we switch formations because of a team we're playing you're going like you said you're going to see Coleman out there he's going to get minutes um, I also think it goes back to a lot of what Jason sees in practice he's going to put the guys out there that are going to give the team the best chance to bring home the win. Yeah. And it's, you know, exactly right. I mean, it's one thing if, if the team was struggling, but the team's been getting wins. So, uh, there's absolutely no reason to, um, you know, demand any changes in the lineup or anything. Mueller scored goals in three straight games. That's the guy who's playing Coleman's position right now. So, um, you know, it's not like Kleshin has been playing poorly or anything. And, you know, I mean, even even an established MLS star like Justin Merrim is coming off the bench recently. So um, the, I think that's the beauty of this lineup is that this is a team yeah. that's deep enough that you can have Justin Merrim come in in the 60th minute <laughs> or 70th minute of, of a soccer game. So, I mean, enjoy it. We, we're not... <laughs> right. <laughs> not used to the, the this level of depth uh, on the team. So um, thank yeah. you uh, for your... Uh, your your question and uh, hopefully next time if you have another question hopefully you will ask it and you will ask it with the correct hashtag hashtag ask tmlpc uh, i don't i'm not trying to be pedantic but i i tried Would to you... use ask tml and it was being used for something else and i i couldn't uh, i didn't want to confuse anybody or uh sort of infringe upon an existing hashtag so i came up with the uh, adding the pc at the end for the for podcast uh, which is actually just one word but 
You know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> it's already a thing at this point. Just, yeah. just deal with it and go with it. It's our thing, in fact. Uh, yes. We got a question in the in the email. All right. So Lee wants to know. Uh, he. You know, he's talking about the new stadium in the Bronx that's being uh, rumored for New York City FC. And he uh, says, you know, if it comes to fruition, do you ever foresee uh, New York Red Bulls undergoing another rebranding like when they were the Metro Stars? They later became the Red Bulls. And uh, now with a, a team having its own stadium in the Bronx, would it be, he says, wouldn't it be, simultaneously seem laughable and self-loathing for the Red Bulls to pretend they still represent New York City uh, as opposed to accepting their lot in New Jersey. Um, I'll go first on this one, I guess. I, I don't okay. I don't see a rebranding in the future of New York Red Bulls until the company decides to sell the team. Um, I don't think it'll they'll rebrand to New Jersey. Uh, I don't foresee that happening, even though they play in Harrison, New Jersey. Uh, I don't think the fact that, you know, that is that one team is in New York, and one team is not is going to affect them. Uh, Shea Stadium uh, was the former home of the Jets with the Giants being in New Jersey. Um, you know, now they're both out of the city, but there used to be one in the city and one out of the city. So. You know, I don't think that that sort of argument uh, holds any water either way. You know, saying he, he says in his email, the Giants and Jets claiming New York doesn't uh, hold water because neither of them actually plays in the city. But, you know, Shea was in New York Stadium as far as I know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think so. I just don't think I don't see any way that they wouldn't sort of claim New York uh, and, and, and decide to just concede the city of New York to New York City FC these upstarts with the you know with the oil money uh you know manchester city light i don't think uh i don't think there's any way that they just (laughs) give up and say okay you can have new york city Uh, what do you think dave yeah there's absolutely no way nobody is giving up the new york city monitor uh, uh moniker it's not going to happen there's a long, as he mentioned, with Jets, Giants, et cetera, there is a long history of teams ignoring the fact that they're in Jersey and going with New York. It's it's just how it is. Uh, as far as, you know, new stadium, Red Bulls, not Red Bulls, uh, you know, I don't see that unless, like you said, the team gets sold, then that's not happening either. So it's... Uh, get used to it. No matter what happens on on stadiums or locations or anything like that, they are New York Red Bulls, and for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and I think also if 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 we've learned anything from the New England Revolution and from David Beckham, it's that just because there's a stadium rumor uh, doesn't mean you're going to get a stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we do appreciate Lee that your your questions, and we uh, we invite everybody to ask us a question. Did we get one from Mark this week? You know, I as as many know, Mark Johnson is a uh, a law student, and I'm anticipating that he was incredibly busy this week, and that because he, he didn't even well, I guess he did text me this morning about the uh, the Champions League thing, but uh, he must have gotten busy this afternoon because he decided not to participate this week and i know he's going to listen when this drops so shame on you mark johnson <laughs> uh oh wait uh let's so 
Okay, so we do actually have one more question here, I think. Dang it! Uh, yeah, it came in on the 19th, and this is from Ryan Smith. He wants to know, he says, You're Kyle Lawrence sitting on a derby match uh, bench, then all hell breaks loose. How bummed are you that you left an inform Orlando City now? Fenerbahce versus Besiktas abandoned due to fan unrest and manager issues. Of course, uh, there was a big dust-up. And what a shock that this has happened in Turkish soccer. What a shock that something <laughs> something eventful all happened in a Turk in a Turkish soccer match. That's crazy. That never happens. Um, never. You know, I, I think uh, Kyle's probably. Um, I, I think genuinely, Kyle probably does wish the 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 club well. Uh, I think honestly, he he did have a connection with the fans here, even though uh, in many ways he is he's uh, burned that bridge. Um, so I don't think that he's really necessarily wanting to see anything bad happen here. And on the other side of it, I think he's probably fine with whatever happens here every time he looks at his in his, uh, his bank account. Yeah, I, I think he's probably okay in that regard. And he, he, right or wrong of how he went about it, this is what he wanted to do. He wanted to get over... Uh, international he is and so uh, I I think he's probably the type of guy that is has said this was the decision I've made and until something better comes along he's going to ride it so I, I agree with you that he doesn't wish any you know ill will towards Orlando as a matter of fact he's probably uh, enjoying this four win streak uh, even if he's not saying anything about it, I, I can't imagine that he's not, you know, still following and and paying attention. I'm sure he is. Um, the only thing I would say, it, it's amazing the impact that he had, good and I guess bad, in that here we are months later and somebody's still asking about what Kyle Laren thinks. <laughs> When we've got, you know, Dom Dwyer and Chris Mueller scoring goal after goal and, and somebody's still like, hey, what about Kyle Aaron? You know what? Kyle did a lot of great things for us and I wish him well, but we got we got another guy that could maybe get rookie of the year if he keeps this form going. I'm not predicting that in any sense, but I'd rather I'd rather look. Let's look forward. Let's look at what we've got now. And wish Kyle all the best, uh, and hope that you know he stays out of nastiness uh, over there abroad. Yeah, I mean the bottom line is he's a young player who's chasing his dream. He he his dream was yeah. to go play in Europe and uh, play for a Champions League team. I mean he he's realized that now. He's he's not you know first team material. I mean he's not first choice striker, but he's doing what he set out to do. He's reached a goal in his life, and who among us? would not want to do that who among us even when when we were young would not maybe have even cut a corner to to have done that so um, certainly you know I, I we don't necessarily like the way he left um the club certainly didn't like the way he left uh it's possible that it actually cost the club money um but at the end of the day i'm not going to belittle somebody who you know did what they thought was right to get what they wanted out of life because life is short and uh, you know, you never know what happens. I mean, if he, let's say he comes back to Orlando city 
and the, the plan is to sell him in the summer? What if he rips up his knee and is never the same again? I mean, he, yeah. he, you you got to take all that into account. I mean, it's the same thing when people get bent out of shape when their favorite college football player or basketball player leaves early to go pro. It's it's they're making a decision based on, you know, many factors and they're making the right decision for themselves and the, you know, based on, on their thought process and weighing all the pros and cons. And that's just the way it is. And, um, someone else's life is, is they're never going to make the choices you would necessarily make, uh, because they're different people with different experiences and, you know, different socialization and all of that. So, uh, everybody's different. We're all unique snowflakes. And, uh, <laughs> Kyle is a Canadian snowflake that decided to go to Turkey and, uh, good luck to him. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so, but thanks for your question, Ryan. And, uh, you know, it is kind of fun to make fun of people who have wronged your team, I guess. But, uh, at the same time, realistically, I don't want to escalate that kind of thing. It's just, uh, will I chuckle every time, uh, you know, Bashik just loses? Sure. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm not going to belittle somebody who made a decision that they thought was right for them because we all make decisions in life and sometimes they turn out to be the wrong ones. Sometimes they turn out to be the right ones. And, um, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that you usually end up in life where you're supposed to be. Oh, crap. It's pretty deep. Man. Yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> you ended up in Tallahassee, Dave. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's where you're meant to be. But uh, at least you got the growler bar. That's true. So, you know, way to look on the positive. Exactly. All right, that'll do it for Ask the Mainland Podcast. Uh, get those hashtags in uh, on Twitter. Uh, hashtag AskTMLPC. Make sure you uh, include our uh, at the mainland in your tweet so that we will see it. Um Otherwise, you know, we have to go hunting for it uh, by searching the the, uh, the hashtag. Or you can email us uh, at themainland at gmail.com. And uh, hopefully we'll soon, don't know when, have, uh, have a new email address, which is a little more uh, officially business sounding. But uh, that's how you do it for now. Thanks for everybody getting in those questions. Dave, before we go, Orlando City, going back on the road this week. Uh, mm-hmm. where it's very difficult to win, and it's extremely difficult to win when you can't breathe. And Orlando <laughs> City is going to be playing a mile high up in uh, Dick's Sporting Good Park against the Colorado Rapids this weekend on Sunday. Uh, how do you see this shaking out as far as the key matchup of the game? And let's get your match prediction. Well, so... Um... Yeah, key matchup is funny enough. Key matchup is Orlando City versus the altitude and how well they can make it through 90 minutes. Uh, I think that uh, I think that the team is coming together. I think that you know the the defense is there, especially in the run of play. I think that they're scoring goals. I think that they're getting you know good play out of the midfield. I think all of that's coming together, but. Like you said, mile high, that can be difficult. Uh, for any of uh, you that have traveled out west, uh, I, I know one time when I went out and I knew I was going to be a, you know 10,000 feet or so, I went out two days early just to acclimatize because we live in Florida and most of us are at zero or negative altitude. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, how they can do against the altitude and and or with 
making substitutions at the right time to allow the team to maintain a good pace. I think that's actually one of the toughest things for this particular uh, road road game. As far as my prediction, um, I want so badly for the uh, win streak to continue, but it's notoriously hard to win on the road. I'm going to go. I'm going to go one-one, and that's that's despite a Colorado team that is is seems to be all over the place themselves. Uh, beat Philly, draw with Dallas. Uh, beat Toronto, but then lose to you know Real Salt Lake. So uh, I'm I'm going to go one one just because I think that early on we can probably get get a goal. Uh, I just hope that we can hold on and and keep it at a draw. All right. Well, you know that's that's actually uh, what I was going to say as my key matchup, but I'm not going to say it now. I'm going to go a different way. Uh, ah. Yeah. That's. I mean, it's. Here's the thing about Colorado. They're they're 2-2-2, two, two, and two, but they're 2-0-1 oh, at home because that is a big home field advantage that they have up there. Um, they have they seem to be playing better of late, uh, but again, at home, they're a much different team than they are on the road just because of their, you know, they're being used to the, those types of uh, elements. And uh, one thing that's interesting is Tim Howard got red carded uh, over the weekend, and unless that's overturned, he's out. So we will see a different goalkeeper, Zach McMath, uh, likely the goalkeeper. Uh, they also have Andrew uh, Dykstra on their supplemental roster, so he might be uh, on the bench for that game. Um, so maybe the key matchup is Justin Merrim against Zach McMath. <laughs> um, Justin, I like it. Justin Merrim is, is overdue. I think that, you know, it's – you look at the form that Dwyer and Mueller have been in, but I mean, how long can you keep a streak going? So I, I feel like, you know, it's a, it's a tall ask for those guys to keep their streaks going a, another game. So somebody else has to probably step up. Maybe that's going to be Justin Merrim. I think he might be back in the starting lineup this week. Um, so I think that, that, that really comes down to, can Justin Merrim finally break his drought and, and put the ball in the net. And I think that's going to be um, a potential key factor there. Uh, the elements certainly will be an issue to, like I said, two Oh and one Colorado at home. Oh, two and one on the road. So um, they, it's just very difficult to go there and come away with points. I, I also see this as a one, one draw. Um, the other big matchup for me too, is the whole team against the whole team on set pieces. <laughs> Yes, because that's, that's been a it's been a problem area, and they they've gone more than three and a half games without giving up a goal in the run of play, and uh, if they can continue that streak, they have a very good chance of coming away with at least one point from the road, um, and uh, it would be nice though to get this uh, as a win because not only is it a tough place to play, but it would give them five in a row, which would be the longest uh, winning streak in the league this year. And I believe mm-hmm. tie them for their their all time high MLS win streak. So that would be it would be nice to be able to to capture that. Uh, but um, it's certainly a winnable game, but they cannot leave it till late because they won't have any. They won't have the legs or the lungs late to uh, to come from behind. Correct. They absolutely have to jump on top and then uh, hang on when they're they're. Uh, 
their bodies start to fail them later in that game. So uh, anyway, I think it'll be an interesting game. I would certainly like all three points. I will be accepting very much of one. Um, and uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll be back to break that down next week on this very program, as well as the Pride's hosting of Seattle Rain and um, anything that comes up between here and there. I don't have an injury report uh, uh, update to report at this time. Actually, I meant to um, check in with some folks, but I didn't get to do that today. I just uh, had a big meeting, and it was just, you know, life and actual work. That pays. <laughs> work that pays re- got in the way. <laughs> right. I was going to say, quick reminder, podcast listeners, we yeah. have other jobs. Yeah, we have, <laughs> we have real jobs. So I uh, wasn't able to get an update. On, I don't expect that Spectre would make this trip, um, yeah. you know, based on the, the altitude and everything. I think they probably would rather just give him another week, even if he's uh, even if he passes the, the protocol, which I to this point has not as far as i know uh don't know what sutter's availability will be of course um, rj allen was back on the bench last week so he should be fine and uh and of course yuri rosell was in the lineup so um mostly it looks like they're healthy unless somebody picks up a knock this week in training and uh i expect that they'll go out and uh they'll play with high energy and hopefully they'll start the game well because if they Again, if they fall behind, that's going to be a, a, a I mean, it's Colorado cliche. It'd be a mountain to climb, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, hopefully they won't have to do that. So the, it's very important they, they finish chances. And I'm, I'm, I really hope that Justin Merrim scores. I don't know if he will. Uh, I don't know if he'll start. I kind of expect that that will happen. Um, I'm perfectly okay with it if Dom and Chris want to uh, keep their streaks going, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, just absolutely. in case. <laughs> uh, the the one thing we can know for sure is that it won't be one one. Well, yeah, because we both predicted. Because we both predicted, yeah. Exactly. So that's yeah. Go go ahead. You can take that to Vegas. Yeah. Say go to Vegas and say I want to bet on anything except one one. <laughs> and see if they let you do it. I don't know what kind of odds you get there, but. Anyway, uh, that will do it for episode 122 of the Mainland Podcast. Again, thank you to Amro Atarek and to Rafa Cabrera of the Orlando City Communications Department. Uh, we will be back next week to break down Orlando City at Colorado Rapids, uh, Seattle Rain at Orlando Pride, anything else that comes up between now and then. And, of course, you can please get your uh, questions, ask us anything on Twitter or on uh, via email, themainland at gmail.com. Once again, Read our stuff at themainland.com, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or subscribe um, to this very podcast, and tell all your friends about it as well. And if you leave a five-star review, uh, along with your five-star rating, we will read your written review of this podcast right here on the air. So uh, nobody's done that in a few months. So uh, And we really want to do it. Yeah, we want to. So, you know, if you, if you don't think we're worth five stars, well, then... I don't know what I'm going to wash my hands of you. Yeah, I, that's <laughs> then then there's something obviously unfit about your brain. What do you want? Our blood? <laughs> no, they, they really don't. I, I, pro, I promise you that they, they, they don't. They, okay. they don't want that. Well, maybe they're vampires. I don't know who listens to this podcast. Well, even if they're vampires, they probably don't want our blood. Well, it'll have a lot of beer in it. It will have a lot of beer in it. All right. All right. On behalf of David Rowe up in Tallahassee, I'm Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, signing off the way I always do by saying go city and go pride.